How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter, score! some swagger. Push come to shove, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. So, good news this week, the Kings have managed to string together two consecutive wins. It feels like it's been a while, but exciting times. I am very excited about it, especially because... Uh, well, the Blues win was absurd, and yeah. I don't know if there could be anything much better than the way that they won there. And it's always nice to win against the Coyotes. It's always nice for the Coyotes to have bad things happen to them. So uh, for those two wins to be the wins the Kings get consecutively, I am very pleased by it. I think with the Coyotes, too, because it seemed like last season, no matter how well the Kings played, the Coyotes always seemed to find another goal. With, of course, the exception of the 7-4 game that included the Dwight King hat trick. But other than that, it seems like the Coyotes are always like really pesky for the Kings. So for them to have won now, both that shutout win on the road and now this one at home, it's pretty fun to watch the Kings dominate the Coyotes because they're not a very good team. It shouldn't be that hard to do it. But it <laughs> yeah, seems they're, to be a they're particular. Different. They're particularly bad this season. Right. So it's good to see the Kings actually dominate the way that they should. And I think both of the games against the Blues were completely ridiculous like the kings probably played their worst third period so far this season and the one in st louis and then again the game the game um at staples center was crazy just because of all the ways that the goals happened it was a really fun game and really like atypical i think both of those games because everybody's used to those like a lot of hits low scoring and both of those games had what was it Seven goals on the one on the road and then 10 at Staples. That's crazy. Yeah, especially with the St. Louis Blues and the Kings. Like, whenever the Kings are involved, you're like, okay, probably not a ton of goals. But and especially with the Blues, since, you know, their style of play kind of mirrors one another. And it's usually a pretty, it's a snooze fest a lot of the time. But this time, so much excitement. So much. It was pretty surprising, but also a lot of fun by the end of it, of course, because the Kings came out on top. So, and then, you know, everybody, there was an added bonus, what we were looking forward to, and what we actually got of seeing Martin Brodeur play in Staples Center again, and he let in six more goals, and that's beautiful. I'm really glad that he did that. It didn't even take an extended power play this time for the Kings to be able to score that many goals against him. I love that in two games, in his last two games played at the Staples Center, he's let in 12 goals. Yes. <laughs> That's perfection. I, I don't, I mean, I was, you know, we talked about it. We kind of thought about it like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, he had to relive his nightmare and be in Staples Center and allow six goals? Did you actually think that that was going to happen? Me, not so much. But I <laughs> could not be happier. Especially the last goal that he let in. Oh, that goal was ridiculous. It. I feel like there are. I feel like those types of goals seems to always happen to Dwight King in some way. Like if a goal <laughs> was scored in a ridiculous way, somehow Dwight King was involved and he benefits from it. But it's cool. Like pick up those crazy points. And then you can always see his face just being like, "Yeah, I don't know." Uh, just like <laughs> yeah. a, it's pretty comical how his like, I have no idea what just happened there, but I will take it. Face <laughs> right. Is that so. And then like on the bench, it's like the shrug of like, "Uh." <laughs> Hey, it happened. Let's all take it. Let's move on. <laughs> but the Kings did not get out of that game unscathed. 
unfortunately, our grandfather, Robin Regeer, out two to three weeks with a hand injury and has been placed on IR. So, and I think I think he picked up a point in that game. One of I think it was either that game or the one on the road. One of them he picked up a point in, but now he's not picking up any points for a while because he's hurt, and it's hard. I don't. I never know how to feel about that. Like I don't want Robin McGear to get hurt, but it's like when he's not in the lineup, it's not the worst thing to happen. I was gonna say I feel like he got injured to the vague cheers of many people to be like, yeah, let's bring someone else on, right. <laughs> see if they could do a better job than Robin McGear, which they likely will. Um, especially considering uh, when Jamie McBain came back, he scored or he got what two points? Yeah, immediately with a multi-point game. Braden McNabb is still looking for his first goal as a king or whatever. Jamie McBain already got a couple. He's picking up points like it's no problem. It's not the worst for that guy so far as an LA king. Uh, it makes me think about what Jordan Nolan has always said because like he's often the one being healthy scratch, and it's always like you know obviously the Kings are a very good team, very good players full roster that stayed the same so it's kind of hard to break it in like break into the lineup you just have to like put your head down work hard and be like a significant part of the team and you know and he tries to do that whether it's successful or not remains to be seen and you know comes and goes from game to game but Jamie McBain is really being like hey like thanks for picking me up I'd like to help you guys out if I can and you know comes into this game with two points like way to be way to be Jamie McBain Right, I'm glad for it. So they called up Jeff Schultz too, but he didn't play immediately again. McBain played, but I'm sure we'll see Jeff Schultz in the lineup at some point. And like the last time Robin Regeer went out of the lineup, Jeff Schultz came in and then he did, he wasn't amazing, but he wasn't completely disastrous. Like he clearly didn't cost the Kings that series against the Ducks. So, and I'm sure he'd be more comfortable now. I'm not particularly worried about Robin Regeer being out for a couple weeks, especially because they have the Christmas holiday coming up. So it's not like they're playing a whole lot without him if they absolutely just need more bodies available. Um, So unfortunate, I think the one that is a little more worrisome is probably Marion Gabrick getting hit in the Coyotes game. He played after he got hit, but it looks like his head... um, took some of the contact and he didn't have he didn't go to his post game interview with Patrick O'Neill and Sean O'Donnell. So who knows exactly what is up with him right now? Uh, well, one thing that's going on with him is that he's scoring goals left, right and center. I mean, we always make fun of the Kings power play, but he personally has scored four power play goals in the last three games. Yeah, that's insane because he's had so six total goals in the last four games. And for four of them to be power play goals, that's huge. So you don't want Marion Garrett Marion Gabrick to be out of the lineup at all. But especially this seems like the most inopportune time because suddenly he was on fire after having like a pretty up and down start to the season and whatnot. And then he was injured and he was back in the lineup and it took him a while to get up to game speed. Now he seems back there. Please be okay <laughs> so that the Kings can continue scoring. I mean, the Kings power play has been doing really well. I don't get it personally. It's just because I'm so not used to it, uh, you know, producing anything um, or being mostly frustrating, but they've scored a ton of power play goals in the last three games and the last week. And I like this new version of the Kings. They've scored five power play goals just in the last two games, which is crazy because again, we're talking about the LA Kings and especially because very recently, we were talking about how their special teams were letting them down. Like the penalty kill was a huge problem for them for the last several games. And suddenly now it's like, well, at least when they're on the power play, they might have a chance to score. How about that? That's 
crazy to me because like in the Blues game, they went down 3-0. And part of the reason they were able to come back was because of being able to score on the power play. They scored on half their chances. I think they had six total opportunities with the advantage and scored three of them. That's huge. The Kings really are trending in the right direction, despite that loss um, against St. Louis earlier in the week. Uh, Everything else seems to be, you know, kind of moving forward and being very positive for their future performance. Yeah, I was looking at War on Ice earlier today just to see how they've been doing so far during December because, of course, everybody has been very frustrated with watching them play because it seems like, all right, things are heading in the right direction, but they're not getting the wins. So just to put a finer point on that, over the last 10 games, which is as many games as they've played in December so far, they have a 58% Corsi 4 percentage, which is the best of any team over the same stretch of time. So from December 1st to now, the Kings, I think, played their first game in December on December 2nd. Over that stretch, 58% Corsi 4 at 5 on 5, best of any team. And then if you go to all situations, which includes, of course, on the power play, penalty kill and stuff, they are 59% Corsi 4. But they have a PDO of at 5 on 5, it's 98.6. In all situations, because again, their penalty kill was utter shit for a minute, was um, 97.3. So it's crazy to see that, like, despite how frustrating it's been, you're totally right. The Kings have been awesome lately, and hopefully now it's starting to pay off. Yeah, I like that the numbers kind of verify that they are playing better and that the Kings are back to being like the the possession team that we're used to them being because that was always the most worrying part. You know, Kings lose, but they still have the foundation to, you know, be the team that we know that they could be and win games in the future, you know, and then you can kind of just brush it off. But when they weren't getting those numbers, it was very frightening. So it's good that they're getting back on track. New Year's resolution, I suppose, to be the best possession team again. Yeah. And I'm glad the Kings are getting a a kickstart on working on that. And I mean, part of what's helped, of course, is that their schedule has been a little bit softer, even though, again, like they lost to teams like Montreal and um, the Blues are good teams, so they don't really count. But some of the other teams, you know, they've played teams who are not as strong, but... At the same time, it's good to see that when given this opportunity to start to get their game together and really dominate, they took it for the most part. And hopefully we'll just see them um, stay on that path when they come back from Christmas break and maybe whenever their schedule starts to get tougher again. One thing that is a problem, and again, a lot of this is their inability to not allow goals on the penalty kill recently, but... They gave up 23 regulation goals in their last six games, which is bad for a team that is overall still in the top 10 defensively and was the best team defensively last year. So that was 3.8 goals per game. And um, what helped keep them in games and what helped win them these last two games is they have scored 22 regulation goals of their own in the last six games. So 3.67. So Got to clean up defense a little bit. Goaltending hasn't been as absolutely perfect in recent games, but I think everybody can bounce back, and hopefully we'll see the Kings do really well as they move forward. Yeah, fingers crossed uh, that they continue going in the right direction and instead of, you know, doing going on some sort of, like, eight-game losing spree, which is what I expect from the month of January. <laughs> right. They haven't been shut out since... Being shut out by the Sabres, so that's good news. That like That's the other flip side, at least, to them scoring goals, is that they're not a team who is in the basement completely. Like They had some trouble coming back from early deficits because of allowing goals in the power play and allowing first-period goals, but at least they can score at all. That's pretty nice. <laughs> you only need one. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> just to make it not completely embarrassing. I want that to keep it up to you. And, and hey, if they want to keep scoring, you know, three goals a game, in addition to not allowing goals, then everything will be golden. What a world we will be living in. How are we to complain about that scoring multiple goals? We'll take it. <laughs> um, one of the reasons that they finally started scoring again is because the top guys, like you said, Marion Gabrick, was getting it going. And um, in the last couple games in particular, Andre Kopitar and Jeff Carter have been insane. Yeah, they have teamed up. We're, we're used to like the dynamic duo of uh, Kopitar and Gabrick from last season, but Kopitar and Carter have teamed up to for each of them to have some pretty nice assists and some pretty nice goals from one another. And that is incredible to see. It's awesome. Kopitar has nine points in his last three games. Remember when everybody was like, dang, it's taking Kopitar a while to get going. Where is Andre Kopitar at? The Kings have been bad you know, in possession because they're led by Kopitar and he hasn't really been on point yet. Dude has nine points in his last three games. He's, He's like, here I am. <laughs> yeah. Here I, I am. It. I'm ready for it. <laughs> oh, this season has started? Got it. Right, right. I'm here now. So he had five points in the game against the Blues on Thursday, which tied Sidney Crosby for most points in a single game this season and was a career high for Kopitar. Previously, four points was the amount, the highest number of points he got in a single game. Now it's five. A couple days later, he was like, oh, I'll pick up three against the Coyotes. No big deal. I am liking this version of Andre Kopitar. Me too. <laughs> He's amazing. Um, I actually especially liked that one goal that he uh, pa- gave a pass to Carter, who was ever so patient and opened up and um, scored a goal against Brodeur. And in the meantime, he also had to like jump over a player that was diving to the ice to try to block the shot and like didn't have a problem. It was like figure yeah. skating status. It was great. Moments like that, like the crazy thing about watching him jump over the player is you could tell that he was so, because he's watching Carter the whole time. So you could tell that he's just so focused on what's happening that he's like barely thinking about having to jump over this dude. He's like, oh, whatever. (laughs) I'm just going to jump over him and stop on one skate. It's fine. (laughs) I just want to see what happens here. I don't know why I kept thinking that it was like a like Super Mario Brothers or something like that. And that Blues player was just like some dumb Goomba that he just had to jump over to like get rid of or just like to avoid. Like, get out of my way. I'm busy. That is honestly what it has felt like watching the Kings the last couple games is when everything seems to be clicking for them offensively, like, it just does seem like dudes are just kind of in the way and they find a way around it. In that goal where Gabbert got hit and he went down, everybody was worried. And I think that worry, of course, took away from, like, how crazy that play ended up being because, like, Gabbert goes down. The Coyotes could take possession of this puck. They sort of try to clear it. It bounces out, but Toffoli is coming in late. He just takes it, neatly drags it around Gabbert's body. It's fine. (laughs) Goes to the net, takes the shot. Trevor Lewis, or no, he passes it to Trevor Lewis. Trevor Lewis gets it. It's you know, behind the goaltender. It was this crazy play where it seemed like all of these obstacles and people should have been in the way, but it was like, whatever, they've got it. They'll just find a way to get the puck in the net. It's done now. And then we'll check on Marion Gabrick. Um, yeah, let's talk about the fact that Trevor Lewis scored a goal. Yeah. Um, this is his fifth of the season. Yes. And he is halfway to being in the double digits. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. Trevor Lewis, of course, career high, which he set last season of six goals um, in the regular season. So close to passing it. And who knew? Like, lately, like, his last two goals have come from Tyler Toffoli. Who knew that that was all it took for Trevor Lewis? Just put him on line with Tyler Toffoli. Suddenly, he can finish. That would be fun to watch. (laughs) 
I mean, because usually we're, I mean, we're used to seeing Tyler Toffoli score like nobody's business because he's got such quick hands and such great eyes. But he is definitely one hell of a passer. Yeah. Um, what was that pass to, was it Kopitar? Who scored that goal? What am I thinking of? Hold on. Was it recent? What was the goal? That's what I'm trying to think about. He had like a really nice pass to someone. Was it the last one that he passed to Trevor Lewis? Because that was nice. Maybe it was that one. <laughs> the one in the Ottawa game. Uh, anyway, so Taylor Toffoli can also dish a pretty nice pass um, as in his, you know, crazy repertoire of things that he can do. Uh, so it's kind of fun to see Trevor Lewis be on the receiving end of that and actually doing something with it. I think Tyler Toffoli is a little bit underrated on the passing because even like recently I was like, let's talk about how I'm frustrated with Daryl Sutter because he won't put Toffoli on the ice so he can score goals because he's very good at taking shots and getting them on net. But also at five on five, something else I noticed while I was looking up other things today is that Playing five on five, the king with the most first assists credits is Tyler Toffoli with 10. I think the next closest might be Carter. I can't remember exactly right now, but Toffoli is the one with the most of them. And he plays way fewer minutes than someone like Jeff Carter, than Andre Kopitar. So I don't know, like the, I, the his offensive instincts are just so good. And right now, Trevor Lewis is on the receiving end of that magic. And he probably feels pretty good, judging by the way that they celebrate together every time. Trevor Lewis scores lately, which has only been a couple times, but it's been good celebrations. I love how um, Tyler Toffoli, how delighted Tyler Toffoli is every time he is like an assist, um, how excited he is for the goal score. It's kind of like Dustin Brown, where uh, Dustin Brown is always just like so just like pleased as punch uh, for this person who scored a goal. Big smiles all around. And yeah, I find that incredibly charming. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in that Fox Sports West um, Kings Weekly video where they ask Tanner Pearson, Tyler Toffoli, and Martin Jones which of the veteran players that they go to, Tyler Toffoli does say Dustin... No, that's Tanner Pearson who says Dustin Brown is his go-to guy. But actually, no, what I'm thinking of is I read an article that talked about how Dustin Brown has in the past... Like, I think when Toffoli first came up in the shortened season, they were like, watch Jeff Carter, play like Jeff Carter. But then last season, they were a little bit more like see how Dustin Brown handles himself. I forget which article. I should go find it again so people can read it. But basically, it mentioned that Dustin Brown was, it might have been Sutter who mentioned it, Dustin Brown was trying to sort of mentor Tyler Toffoli. And so maybe that's something that they bond over, <laughs> the idea that they're just really stoked for other yeah, people. Yeah, be very excited for your friends when they score goals. Like, unbelievably They so. both have lots of affection. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because they it's like really big grins and like really squinty eyes. <laughs> I don't know. I just find yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah. find it super charming. <laughs> Like, they're all, like, always in the middle of, like, cheering for people that they're very yeah. excited about. It's really nice. Also, since that Fox Sports West video where Martin Jones is like, his favorite food is cupcakes, it doesn't matter what he says, it's cupcakes, that is all I have been able to call Tyler Toffoli is cupcake. If you see me doing that on Twitter, that is what that's about. Because also, look at him. He's so it's happy. Like a, it's a prime nickname for him. Like, it just makes you sense. You might not have thought of it before, but now that... You know, you go around calling him Cupcake Toffoli. You're like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's pretty accurate. Fits How well. did we not all land here sooner? This makes yeah. so much sense. <laughs> so good week for Cupcake Toffoli. <laughs> oh, I, I totally, we got into this and I totally didn't even mention what the King's record is and stuff, just so everybody stays updated. So quick mention of that. They are now at 17, 11, and 6 for 40 points. It's probably changed now because games have been played. But I think this morning when I was looking, there were... 
three or four teams in the Pacific that had all finally reached 40. And so the Kings technically are still in a wild card card spot, but if they can put together a few more wins, they could be easily in the top. <laughs> so, I mean, they won't ever get past Anaheim because Anaheim's, I think, at 49, might be over 50 soon. Um, but every there are a lot of other teams that are right up against each other just fighting for placement in the playoff picture. So the Kings are fine right now, and hopefully they do get to put together some more wins. Jeff Carter, because he's played so well the last few games and is scoring again, has um, become the points leader. He's got 25 points and I think is now one ahead of Tyler Toffoli. So there's that. There are your changes for the Kings this week. Um, Andy Andrioff, <laughs> our friend, Immediately is laughing. Immediately laughing. <laughs> what I loved is that when it was announced that he was coming back, immediately somebody tweeted at us to be like, Andre is back. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> While he was in the AHL, he had a hat trick. Did you see that the other night? I did see that. So he is, you know, making the most of his experience down uh, in Manchester. I think that was like um, last season at one point when Toffoli was sent back. back. It was like a couple games later. Oh, he got a hat trick. I I sort of, I mean, I love that. It's just sort of the idea of like, look, I play in the NHL now. This (laughs) league is too easy. Here's all the points in the world. So some nice rush. And I think in the next game after that, Andrea, I've had two more points or something like that, or two more goals specifically. Um, so I, who knows when he'll make it into a game. But when he does, hopefully he brings some of that and finally gets one as a Kings player, because I don't think he has a goal yet. Come, come up to the big leagues now that you've got the chance and score your goals instead of scoring 80 million of them in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Since you're just kind of over that at this point. Yeah. Um, Here's your chance, Andre. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Andre. Andre, Andy, off. Andy, Andy, please. <laughs> um, because, of course, like that top line now with Gabrick, Kobitar, and Carter, it's very, like it's loaded. And it seems like Daryl Sutter put them together to get things jump-started and really get the Kings to have a couple games like this and really finish. But it's probably not going to stay together forever, even though people are already naming that line. (laughs) So depth scoring, though, really important. When depth scoring includes Dwight King shooting from space and making a goal, um, that's pretty good for the Kings. Every time I think about that goal, it's just so insane. That's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I keep watching it and I keep laughing, especially. Yeah. I love unexpected goals, too, because um, I love listening to the commentators. Just like, you know, it's it's a basic play. He's just trying to, you know, clear it, kind of everyone, get everyone get, you know, into place again. And and then he scores and everyone has to stop, like, in the middle of what they're saying. Be like, ah, and he scores. <laughs> right, yeah. Let's, oh, hold on. I got to talk about this. It's, you can tell that the Kings have been playing well lately because, of course, Jim Fox is, like, so, unabat- like, like we've mentioned, just completely shameless about when he's excited about the Kings. And he has been cheering a lot lately. I love, I, I love that. Yeah, I think he's just become totally uncaring. Um, in terms of just like, whoa, that was so good, or whatever it is. It's great. And so he has been quite excited. I think also because of the fact that the Kings are scoring a little more than we're used to after going through a little bit of a drought, like a very brief drought, it turns out, hopefully. Um, After that, like suddenly they're scoring a little bit more frequently, and some of them have been really pretty too, which is not what the Kings are known for. They're known for the like goals where they sort of try to go for rebounds and push the puck past goaltenders. But they've been cute goals. So Jim Fox, <laughs> so stoked about it. And yeah, during Muzzin's snipe uh, in the game against the Blues, during the replay, 
you know, once you know, once you see the different angles, it's usually Jim Fox that is the one exclaiming because he didn't realize how good the shot was or how good the save was or what have you. But when Bob Miller gives you a whoa for yeah. something that you've done, you've know you know you've done you've done good. Right. So you nice job, Bob Miller, for uh, Jake Muzzin on that one. Really good. Um, some other big things that have happened. Oh, Braid McNabb continues to demolish people on the ice. It's kind of intense how routine it's become at this point and it makes me think of i think you can still find like some of the old clips of dustin brown like hit highlights back when the kings several years ago had um this it was like what do they call it like the skate tectonics something totally cheesy like that oh right right yeah yeah it reminds me of those like i kind of feel like they should bring it back just to cheesily measure how hard break McNabb's hits are because they are brutal, like to the point where after the game Saturday, when Alec Martinez was filling in for Marion Gabrick, he was like, yeah, when he came back to the bench, I was like, dude, you hit hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny to me because sometimes I, I like I always think of like the physics behind it. And it seems like he I always think that he turns into Colossus from like the X-Men comics. <laughs> just all of a sudden he's steel and someone's just like bouncing right off him. I'm like, sh- it should usually be like a give and a go. You know, like sometimes the person falls over and things like that. But I feel like sometimes people just like bounce right off him and just be like, what did I just run into? <laughs> yeah. um, so good on Brain McNabb for being a mutant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just completely ruining people. So that's a big thing that continues to happen a lot. Um, I noticed that now that they are not playing as poorly, there are less fights, which is great. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a fan of fights as a motivator, you know, like get the team going with this fight, because I'm like, what does that do? Like that, you know, get a team going if you scored a goal for them, for your team, that would get people pumped so i'm glad that there are now less fights for the kings because they have more important things to do i hope that continues but i do love hits and stuff so um a good well-timed check that really uh knocks somebody off their game that's fun more of that agreed oh jonathan quick tried to beat shay donut (laughs) how did i forget this i mean honestly (laughs) that is like things that dreams are made of for you personally (laughs) Of course, like watching, you know, usually unless I am at a friend's house or like at my mom's house or something, I watch the games on Game Center. So I always see stuff delayed. So first I saw Twitter, somebody tweet like, Jonathan Quick is punching Shane Doan. And I was like, what? Didn't this game just end? (laughs) What is happening? And then, of course, to then see him pretty much as the buzzer is like running out, he's like half paying attention to the puck to see just in case somebody tries to take another shot or something. But then as soon as the buzzer stops, he he cannot wait to skate towards Shane Doan to go try to punch him in the face. It was pretty funny. Jonathan Quick will always like find a chance to like get get in a fight, Um, wrestle with some people mash his glove into people's faces uh it's fantastic something that was funny is the on the coyotes feed because again i try to switch back and forth in games and stuff and on the coyotes feed their broadcasters didn't really know what it was for so i guess shane don't takes a shot like just as the buzzer happens and they're like man he got really mad about that and i'm like really you think he's trying to punch this dude in the face because he took a shot after the buzzer in a game where the kings had a two-goal lead on them it's not that serious and it's not even like it was like a crazy shot either but the reason that he did it was because shane Doan, as time was winding down and Jared Stoll had the puck for a second, but was really just like touching it to make a pass to somebody else to get out of the King's zone. 
and a second after Stoll has passed the puck is taking like this hit on him that's pretty hard and it's a clean hit it's not like it was bad but Quick thought that was not cool and so he had something to say like you could even see as the play continues he kind of tries to watch the game but keeps looking over at Shane Doan and sort of points his stick at him and then play stops so he has to like go about his business but it's pretty funny because he spends like the entire next like 30 seconds waiting for this game to end so he can go get in somebody's face. (laughs) Always prepared for fisticuffs that Jonathan Quick. He is a little hothead and it irritates a lot of people. I continue to think it's funny. So yeah I think we've touched on a lot of the Kings players. Kopitar is good. Oh, Kopitar, by the way, because he is known for being the points leader or whatever. I think he's now third on the Kings team. Yes, third most points on the Kings with 22, thanks to his crazy um, accumulation over the last three games. So don't worry about Kopitar. He will be back at the top pretty soon, (laughs) I'm sure. It was kind of nice because, uh, what's his name? EJ from NHL Live um, yeah. In that game, when he had the five-point night, said that he thinks that Andre Kopitar might, you know, win the Selkie this year. And I was just like, wait, yes, no, this is wonderful. <laughs> that would be great. I think, I think because of how close he came, I mean, not in, like, like in the voting, Bergeron had quite a lead, but I think a lot of people's second choice was Kopitar, obviously, because he, you know, that's how it came out and like in the in the way that people were talking about him you could tell that a lot of people now sort of feel like oh this is Kopitar's time so I think if he can get back to what people expect from him in terms of point totals and whatnot I think he has a shot I don't know was that crazy to say but I think he does no I don't think it's crazy to say and I want it to happen and I guess we should probably start finding weird photos of Andre Kopitar and photoshopping things on them (laughs) I have no idea like I mean I'm sure everybody's seen it because it's been on Twitter or whatever but apparently Kopitar's dad confirmed that Kopitar's wife is pregnant and so there's possibly a baby Kopitar on the way I don't know what that baby's due but that baby is around and there's a picture before it's time for Selkie campaigning you can bet we're gonna make several posters (laughs) just be on the lookout for that if it happens it's gonna be baby it's gonna be babies and gustle (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um best campaign vote for a kopitar for selkie what does his baby and his dog have to do with it everything apparently (laughs) literally everything (laughs) don't ask questions (laughs) that is gonna happen um depending on when little baby kopitar shows up um, in the meantime, I'm very excited to see him continue to rack up points because that's really fun. Kopitar is exciting to watch. I think that's the thing that is easy to forget when the top players are slumping is it's not just like, oh, the Kings don't have goals because, yeah, that's what you're kind of thinking about because you want them to win games. But just like how fun it is to watch people like Kopitar, Gabrick, and Carter do what they do well. Um, like watching the three of them fly around the ice the last couple games has been amazing. Yeah, and I always love watching. Uh, Jeff Carter has like a really nice, smooth, long stride that's very like visually appealing to me. So the fact that he gets to use it with Kopitar and Gabrick and fun things come out of it, like goals, uh, it's been very entertaining and very mm-hmm. nice to watch. It's kind of fun. I was rewatching some highlights and stuff, not even just from the last few games, but some different goals and stuff, including some from early in the season. And it's interesting to watch Jeff Carter and Tanner Pearson on the ice at the same time because they're both very fast. But, of course, their strides and their styles are completely different. Like, Tanner Pearson is, a like, a hustler. Carter, because he's so tall, 
Um, yeah, he just, he, he just looks beautiful. I feel like that's really the only word to describe it. Like, he makes it look so effortless. Yeah, he looks very graceful for being, like, a very tall hockey player. Uh, yeah, so it it's is nice. very, very satisfying to watch him just glide around on the ice. Yeah, and so when he, like, has the puck and is taking shots and they actually go in net, too, even better. There's not much that's more exciting to me to watch. It's kind of nice that the Kings have found their game a little bit more right now because it seemed kind of like a fun way to celebrate the anniversary of Daryl Sutter's hiring, which was Saturday. So there was a win, an anniversary win for Daryl Sutter. Pretty cool. He was hired officially December 20th, 2011. Of course, we say officially because they've talked about how pretty much even, you know, or like right as Lombardi decided that he was going to let Terry Murray go and whatnot, that he reached out to Sutter pretty quickly. Everybody kind of knew Sutter was going to come for like a few couple weeks or whatever and terry murray i think was let go on the 12th and daryl sutter was officially hired the 20th the thing about daryl sutter on his anniversary now it's been three years a lot of things have happened but at the time in 2011 so many people were skeptical of that choice um i mean i can't really complain about the results that he's brought around right like there's not (laughs) There's really no way to go with that to, you know, sometimes I'm annoyed by him line juggling or whatever, benching to Foley for some extended period that I don't understand. But I'm going to say that hiring Daryl Sutter, ace move by the Los Angeles Kings. Some of the article headlines, like ESPN, like Scott Burnside wrote one that said, Kings seem misguided in hiring Sutter. And then he, he listed a lot of reasons about why it didn't really make sense to him. But what summed it up nicely is towards the end, he, he writes, So we view the Sutter hire as a lateral move at best. At best. Um, he had suggested, because, because of the Kings' like, goal-scoring troubles, a lot of people thought if there was going to be a firing, that the Kings would bring in a coach that had a better record for like producing on offense. So Burnside was like, they should have got Randy Carlisle. You can't see me, but I'm shaking my head vigorously. No. <laughs> now we've had three years to pay attention to what he is doing in Toronto. The Kings definitely would not have been the possession team that they are if they had hired Randy Carlisle. Oh my god. Maybe they would have scored more goals, but they would not have had they would not have this reputation. Yeah. It's pretty funny to think about. Yeah, who cares about the goals if you're not gonna be winning games and making it to the playoffs, so Yeah. Uh, Definitely would rather have that and have Daryl Sutter. But yeah, I loved... Because, like, Burnside wrote a few articles, like, leading up to it. Because, like you said, we knew for a while that uh, Sutter was going to be the guy that was called in. Just being like, this is a bad move. No, no, no. I don't like this. Or whatever. (laughs) Um, Or it's it's just like a lot of people had gripes about when Gabbert came around. Um, Like, oh, that's a weird fit. Like, they should have gotten someone else uh, during that time. But... Uh, It all worked out in the end. The Kings kind of know something that we don't. (laughs) I still have on my phone, by the way, speaking of the Gabrick criticisms, a screen cap of some writers after that was announced talking about how, like, I think we've talked about this before, how the Kings would be eliminated in the first round because they were not on the same level with teams like the Sharks, the Ducks, and the Blackhawks. I will cherish that forever. One of my favorite that is that is a perf- that's a perfect tweet right there. <laughs> like, you know, once all is said and done, that is a perfect tweet. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I could still find someone who did embroidered tweets, I would literally get that whole thread embroidered. That's how beautiful it is. 
there is that. And so I, I think also like the like the Randy Carlos suggestion, so glad they didn't go with that. Um, another headline from like Puck Daddy was Daryl Sutter, the coach the Kings deserve, but not the one they need. Also a reminder that I think this was from either early this year, or maybe last year, this article from the Toronto Sun. It's about a couple things. But the first thing that it starts with is how Tim Lewicki didn't want Lombardi to hire Daryl Sutter. So the paragraph, pretty good, is Lombardi was told in no uncertain terms that hiring Sutter wasn't the right move, maybe, quote, the worst decision you've ever made, and speculated it would, quote, will end up costing you your job. Nobody was in favor of the Kings ring on Daryl Sutter, with the exception of the players who actually in their quotes all seemed pretty excited. Like there was quotes from um, like Justin Williams saying that I heard that he's very intense. So they were looking forward to having that kind of person in the locker room. Dowdy was talking about how like maybe the problem with Terry Murray, even though they all really liked him was, you know, people get comfortable after a while and maybe the players, it's hard to rattle them and make sure they're on their toes if you know what you can get away with with somebody. And there were other quotes like that from, you know, just from what players had heard. So guys on the Kings were pretty excited, but other people in the media were not criticize the hiring pretty openly, which I think was, you know, it's it's hilarious in retrospect. Yeah. And I love that Tim Lewicki then went on to work with the Maple Leafs. So more... (laughs) misguided maple leafs uh sort of things related to that sutter hiring right (laughs) um and i'm gonna say that it turned out better for the kings than it did for toronto because toronto is still a trash pile maybe like wiki wanted them to um one of the kings to hire randy carlisle also and he was like i'll just go to toronto (laughs) so if I can't bring the coach to me, I'll go to the coach. <laughs> and now, Lewicki's probably leaving Toronto very soon, as yep. is rumored. That worked out real nice. Um, one of my favorite pieces that was written, though, about about Sutter coming to the Kings was actually from Battle, Battle of California. And it was from Mike Chen, who was writing at, for them at the time. So he wrote this article basically on, like, it's called What to Expect When You're Expecting Daryl Sutter, which is a great title. But it was talking about what kind of coach he is. And I thought that some of it was really interesting, um, in particular because of the ways that we've criticized Daryl Sutter in the last couple weeks and whatnot, or whenever the Kings slump, because we inevitably talk about it. But let me find exactly the part that I wanted to read. Okay, here we go. It's a little bit long. It's a couple paragraphs. Bear with me. It says, The Daryl Sutter era for the Sharks epitomized veteran players and hard work. That usually only gets you to a certain point, and from there, raw talent is required to get you over the hump. To say that Solani and Sutter clashed is a bit of an understatement. Of course, this is when Sutter was coaching the Sharks. Um, similarly, highly talented players or highly talented younger players seem to spin their wheels under Sutter, Magic Marlu, while defensive-minded players. Scott Hannon and Nicholas Sundstrom settled into their natural roles. During the 2001-02 season, the trio of Solani, Marlu, and Alex Korolyuk even earned the nickname the Doghouse Lion since all three were constantly in Sutter's Doghouse. At the same time, Sutter Sharks regularly rolled four lines regardless of situation. After all, the team was built in his image and they would work, work, work regardless of the score. That mentality proved to be a blessing and a curse, and while it brought success to the Craven Meto years, it regressed a roster with greater talent. A perfect in-game example of this was Game 6 of the 2001 first-round series against St. Louis. Down by one goal and facing elimination, Sutter failed to stack his lineup with his scoring forwards. Instead, he had his fourth line out there during the critical moment, and while guys like 
Mark Smith and Todd Harvey were fine in their roles. It seemed completely nonsensical to have them on the ice when the entire season was on the line. Um, I thought that was fascinating because, of course, Daryl Sutter's mentality hasn't changed in some key ways. Like, he is still a dude that will roll four lines um, almost regardless of situation. And this writer, Mike Chen, was saying at the time that he thought when Bruce Boudreaux was let go from the Capitals that the Kings should snap him up, which is also kind of funny (laughs) now (laughs) based on where he landed um, and what has happened in recent years. But I, I hear, okay, here's my question is, do you think that Sutter has really changed in key ways? Like, do you think he's made smarter choices since becoming the coach of the Kings? Or do you think he's just gotten lucky? Um, I am sure that he's tweaked a little bit. I don't know enough about how he was before to really say like exactly what those changes are. But I mean, he basically coaches the same way, but I think it's just a bit of luck and a bit of it works for the Kings. Like that works for that locker rooms mentality. And, you know, they respond to something like that. Um, Because as always, like you never really know, like the weird combinations of, players and atmosphere and chemistry and coaches and you know whatever it is and so uh maybe this is just like one of those things that happens to work very well for this particular group of the kings at this particular time yeah i think i would say i think i would say um again like i didn't watch the sharks team in 2001 2002 closely or anything like that i i didn't even really become an active like nhl fan until 2009-ish when I came back from college. But what I will say, though, is just looking at the way that he handles the Kings and based on those descriptions, older descriptions of Sutter that I've read, it does seem like he's trying to evolve his game a little bit. Like, we do still get frustrated with how he doesn't play someone like Tyler Toffoli enough. But, you know, like, think about that playoff scenario. It was like, this Sharks team was like, all right, the season's on the line. He didn't put his scoring forwards up. The Kings had those two horrible games against the Sharks, and he he um, he didn't tweak the lineup immediately after one game. He let them try to ride it out. It didn't work. And then so he did put in someone like Tanner Pearson and then put what has become that 70s line together and allowed them to try to be what they are, which was a line with the potential to be really, really um, effective, offensive guys. So I think in some ways he does, he, it seems like he's learned how to game manage a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I mean, the fundamentals are clearly still there. He, he's tweaked in a way that worked for the Kings. So he's mm-hmm. not completely set in his ways and like, this is my way or it's the highway. Um, but then he's also not going to like give in to like the every whims of what the Kings want to do. Obviously, he's the coach. But uh, the little things that he's done here and there to tweak the game have probably turned out pretty all right. Um, yeah. As evidenced by two Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. Also, now according to ESPN, regardless of what Scott Burnside thought was going to happen, he was named the best coach in the NHL. That is so. correct. So skirt Scott Burnside continues to be terrible. <laughs> Look what three years can do. And incorrect. <laughs> A nice ride for Daryl Sutter. Um, and of course, we're hoping that he brings at least another Stanley Cup to the Kings. I think that's pretty much all that we've got. Did you see anything from other teams that you thought was interesting this week? Um, I just enjoy the myriad of holiday videos that have been coming out. Um, I think we mentioned in the last one, I cannot watch a lot of holiday videos because I get extreme secondhand embarrassment. I don't know what to expect, but I will say (laughs) that I've now watched 
the holiday sweater video and the penguins video um, mm-hmm. where they do uh, Christmas vacation and where the stars sing Christmas carols or whatever. Oh my and goodness. also that Blackhawks, um, not not necessarily a holiday thing, but that Blackhawks exercise your right to vote. Um, it was a thing of beauty. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. I actually still haven't watched the stars video and I, I keep seeing it, but then I, every time it seems like I remember it, I'm about to do something else. So I will probably watch that right after this. Yeah. I like holiday videos. I don't, the Kings will never really be a team like this makeup of the Kings will never really be a team that does something like that. <laughs> um, but it is fun to watch other teams do it. I like it. It deeply hurts me that the Kings don't do hilarious holiday videos like this. I mean, I guess they are pretty consistent in terms of, like, scoreboard features and stuff like that. That's always fun. But, like, come on. Put someone in a mistletoe hat. Like, make someone wear a ridiculous costume. Wrap someone in Christmas lights. Yeah. It would be so much fun. It's kind of weird because, you know, like, you know that some of them will be down for it. Like, A, take a look at anything in the Kings vault, like, pre- Daryl Sutter, they did a lot of ridiculous things. I And you, like, just look at the way that some of the personalities are with some of the guys who were, like, rookies last year and who are still fairly new to the team. Like, those dudes are pretty funny. We all saw that picture today of Tyler Toffoli sitting on Santa's lap. So they would be down for some silly shenanigans. But they just don't. It is not something that they seem to, to do as an organization right now. Just give them an avenue to do. And, like, okay, so there was that horrible, horrible Mike... Richard's like rapping thing, like the whole thing for funny or die. Um, but then there was also uh, Matt Green and Jarrett Stoll, like kind of goofing around with Nicole Richie. Oh yeah, uh, which was also super random. But you know, they're funny guys. I'm sure that they could make it work. Just give them an avenue to be completely absurd. Let them let loose and a little bit. That would be phenomenal. Since they don't do things like that, it's at least fun to watch other teams do it. Uh, I feel like there was something that I wanted to say about other teams, but now I can't remember what it was. It was probably going to be about a game I watched. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, all right. So I guess we could wrap this whole thing up. And next week, because it is Christmas and the Kings aren't playing very much and there is not going to be a whole lot happening around the Hockey League. Anyway, we're not going to record, but we will be back right after the new year. So a week off for us. As usual, let's go through all of the stuff at the end. <laughs> um, there is one more game at Staples Center, so go check out Ticket Monster. Go to our schedule page if you want to go. Maybe you'll find some cool prices. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at ThanksBud, of course, T-H-X-P-U-D. You should know that by now. Individually, I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Van. And if you want to email us, chirp at ThanksBud.com. Until two weeks from now, not next week this time. Until two weeks from now, in 2015, um, take care of yourselves. Um, Oh, I guess if we have, like, I mean, since this is the last we will record before the new year, not counting the Stanley Cup winning moment, what is, it doesn't even have to be your absolute favorite, but a couple of your favorite moments for the Kings for 2014. Oh my gosh. There are a lot. (laughs) There, yeah, there are a lot. It's an embarrassment of riches for cool things that have (laughs) happened. Besides winning the Stanley Cup... Can I do mm-hmm. on the road to the Stanley Cup in the entire Shark series? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. That counts. <laughs> I'm all for that. Um, I'm all for the fact that Taylor, or, uh, t- I was going to say Taylor Swift, but really I meant Trevor Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> scored five <laughs> goals this year. That was a weird slip. Um, 
And I think, I, oh, I'm glad that the Kings are going to do a stadium series again. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And that there's going to be like a road to the stadium series and that, you know, they're significant enough, they're uh, marketable enough for, you know, the league to want to do that. And I'm very excited to see that. Me too. That's going to be awesome. I like that people want to pay a little bit more attention to what's going in Southern California. Um, I think some of my favorite things, I will say Alec Martinez's breakout season, I guess you could say, even though it mostly happened towards the end of last season, just him going on that streak and then picking it up again in the playoffs at key moments. And of course, scoring that Western Conference final OT goal in game seven, huge. What else? Uh, the creation of that 70s line, because they're very exciting to watch. Yes, that is awesome. Um, what else? Every Jonathan Quick hot-headed moment. Very thankful for every single one of those. <laughs> um, Jake Muzzin. Oh, I yes. am excited for the rise of Jake Muzzin. <laughs> that was great for me in this calendar year. Um, yeah, that's just a few of them. There are probably a lot, but those are a few of them. And... Again, until a couple weeks from now, take care of yourselves. Let us know some of your favorite moments if you want to. We like basking in that kind of stuff. And then we will talk to you in 2015. Thanks for listening. As always, goodbye, friends. See you next year, everyone.